glory. Amen. Lift your right hands to heaven. Father, we rejoice that this morning we have this another opportunity to fellowship in the light of your word. Thank you, Lord, that the entrance of your word giveth light and it giveth understanding to the simple. Thank you that our hearts are already set by the Holy Ghost to receive illumination. Our minds are ready to unlearn and relearn and grow in the knowledge of Christ. So I decree that this morning, whatever is not planted by God is rooted out. Bodies and yokes are destroyed. Sick bodies be healed. Be healed in the name of Jesus. And we decree that by the end of this service, we'll be equipped, edified, and Jesus will be glorified. Nobody lives here the same way they came. We give you praise, glory, and honor for answered prayer. In Jesus' precious name, and every believer says a powerful amen. amen. Lift your right hands to heaven. Let's release our faith together. As we say these words, I am born of God. I am born of the word. The word of God is my nature. I do not struggle to do the word. I do the word naturally. Therefore today, I will understand the word of his grace. I will be built up. By the end of this service, I will never be the same. Never ever be the same again. In Jesus' name, and every believer says a powerful amen. We want to welcome everybody connected to this service by way of Kingdom Life Network, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, all of the social media community. We're so glad to welcome every one of you to the service this morning. Hey guys, it's going to be an exciting study of God's word. I also want to welcome the Aquaibom State community connected to the service this morning by way of Comfort FM, XL FM, Radio Aquaibom. Passion FM, Inspiration FM, and Heritage FM. We're so glad to welcome all of you to the service. Wherever you're hearing the sound of my voice in this state, I'd like you to do me the favor of inviting a friend, a loved one, a family member. Ask them to tune to this radio station right now. Life is flowing through the airwaves. Our social media community, like we've always done, let's get this word to the ends of the earth. Put them on all the platforms. Tag people, share with people. We are on a crusade to cover the earth with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the water covers the sea. So make sure you share this video 50 times. 50 times each one of you. Put them on different platforms including LinkedIn. All. Drop them everywhere. Telegram. WhatsApp. Everywhere. Let's get this word to the ends of the earth. All our campuses around the world. We want to welcome every one of you to the service this morning. Brothers and sisters. We are so glad to have all of you here in the house. And everybody in the building. Are you excited to be in church this morning? Are you ready for the word of God? Can we celebrate the word with a shout? Is that a shout or is that a will? Give Jesus a praise this morning. Glory. Amen. Well, grab your notebook, your Bible, your pen, and your phones, and you can be seated with your sweet, smart self. Now grab your phone, open your phone quickly uh, to all the pages and share the service. Share the service. Everybody share the service. Let's get this word around the world. While you are sharing the service in your phones and on all the platforms where you belong, while you are doing that quickly, today, I mean, two weeks ago, our campus in Lome, Togo launched. And we want to encourage everybody in that area of Lome, Togo to go to church this morning and worship with the brethren in that campus in Lome, Togo. The address is Kezua, Zogbeji, Enchegua, close to Ecolela, Lemwere, Dumonde. 
Every Sunday, every Sunday, 9 a.m. Is there anybody who speaks French in this church or reads French? Because that thing is French I was speaking. And I want somebody who can speak or read French very well to come and help me read it because I want the French people to really get their address. Anybody? You speak French or you can read French? Come, come, come. Run to me. You guys, yesterday you did well, by the way. I appreciate you guys, you know. That's right. But you guys were looking at that communion as if you were interested. <laughs> come and read. Come and read. <laughs> Don't mind me. <laughs> Did you guys want to, you wanted to partake or something? <laughs> were you missing something? <laughs> read for me. Read for me. Get out the mic. Read this thing for me in French. Deliver me from this cross. The address. Audio, audio, brother. The address is Fougère, Soubegère, and Josière, close to Ecoule, Cra, Lumière, Dumonde. Dumonde. Can you say it one more time? Fougère, Soubegère, and Fougère, Ecoule, Lumière, Dumonde. Tell them I said they should all go to church here. Tell them I said you should go to church in this address. By 9 a.m. Anusa. Anusa. Clap for her. Asanu Kabula. <laughs> Somebody shout glory. Don't you, are you not happy that in heaven we shall not be speaking languages? Just one language. <laughs> Alright, this morning we're looking at plans, purposes, and pursuits. It's been an exciting study. On Wednesday we had a blast. How many of you were in the houses on Wednesday? Were you blessed? All right, very important. This is one study I took time to establish that if you really don't want to follow the plan of God for your life, you don't need to come to these services. If you just want to live for yourself, you don't need to come to these services because these services will alter the course of things in your life and bring you into an alignment with the plan and purpose of God for your life. The book of Revelation, chapter 4, verse 11. Revelation, chapter 4, verse number 11. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things and for thy pleasure. If your Bible was mine, I will underline for thy pleasure. For thy pleasure they are and we are created. When we say God's purpose or God's desire, we are looking at God's design. Every manufacturer has a plan for his products. Every manufacturer has a plan for his product. So God has a plan for our lives. And let me tell you what that plan is. That plan is not for you to be satisfied. That plan is not for you to feel nice. That plan is for God himself to be pleased. That plan of God for your life is for God himself to be satisfied. So his design and purpose for our lives is that we please him. 
it's key to know that to walk in love, um, um, yeah, to walk in line with God's plan, you don't do it unconsciously. You walk in line with God's plan very consciously and deliberately. You walk in line with God's plan very intentionally. <clears throat> in Power City here, we don't have long, long plan or long-term plans. We just do what God wants us to do per time. There was a time we used to have convention every February. We don't do that anymore. Somebody said to me, why don't you want to do it anymore? Because God doesn't want us to do that anymore. There was a time we used to have programs upon programs and bring preachers from all over the world to come and preach here. But we don't do that anymore. And somebody says, why don't you do that anymore? Because God doesn't want us to do that now. So what do we do now? We meet every July and we do all of our teachings in July. And then recently we have homecoming first week of August. We don't have anything in Power City that must be done. Because if we don't do it, people won't like it. No. We just follow what God wants us to do per time. We live here one day at a time. Because we're not living for us. We're living for the pleasure of the one who designed our lives. If I'm communicating, can I have a good amen? Most of the time when we plan that way. Because we don't know so much into the future. We don't really know so much in the future. And we are finite beings. We, we, you know, we need to know what we can't know too much at a time. We need to know that we cannot know too much at a time. So we can't say this is what we'll be doing for the rest of our lives. Because we can't really know too much at a time. We are finite. We are limited. We can only know per time what God wants us to do. And that is why God doesn't give you all of his plan at once. Because you can't even handle it. He gives you his plans in piecemeal. So you can walk with him by faith. So you can rely on him. So you can depend on him. So you can trust him. You know, if God gives you all of his plan at once, you'll be walking by sight. You will not be walking by faith. And God wants you to walk by faith. Because the only thing that pleases him is faith. So he gives you his plan in piecemeals, you know, one day at a time. So that is why most of the time when we plan, we only are able to plan based on how we as human beings see things. Brother Hagin said to Gloria Copeland years ago, you must know how God deals with you as a person. You must know how God deals with you as a person. I know how God deals with me. So, so that you will not follow what someone else is doing. In following God's plan for your life, it is not to have one encounter and then you know everything. No, it doesn't work that way. It is to walk with him for the rest of your life. To walk, W-A-L-K, to walk with him for the rest of your life. You make discoveries as you walk with him. We need to follow God's plans for our meetings. What is God's mind for these particular meetings? Every time we gather here on a Sunday morning, what is God's plan for our Sunday morning meetings? They are teaching meetings. They are equipping meetings. Our Sunday morning meetings are a Bible school. You're coming to school. Every time you come here because on a Sunday morning, it is our teaching meetings. Wednesday in the houses, when we assemble together, they are our teaching meetings where you are taught, where you are equipped, where you are built up because there's a humongous walk ahead of us to cover the blue marble planet with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the water covers the sea. When we meet on Saturdays, it's prayer cruise. 
and we don't come on Saturdays and begin to do epignosis. Nobody even opens the Bible for you on Saturday. The moment we assemble here at 7 o'clock, I mean, yeah, 7 o'clock on Saturday mornings, we just go, Mantola, Keleba. Three hours. Nobody's talking to anybody. Nobody's clapping hand. Nobody's stopping anybody because we came to pray. When we come to pray, we pray. We don't come to pray and then talk and sing and dance and we say we are praying. We don't come to pray and have some people acting drama and some people making comedy and we call it Tari Night. It should be called an event entertainment night. When we come to pray, we pray because that's what we came for. Every meeting must serve the purpose for which it was designed. Then we have 30 days of glory where we come together to feed and learn and grow on very fundamental subjects of our Christian journey so that we have a clear-cut apologia for what we believe. So we become people that can have a reason for our faith. So we are equipped to defend the faith that was once delivered unto us. So we are equipped to contend for that faith, that salvation that was given to us. Then we have new creation camp meetings that we do on, in January where we spend time to, to hear the word and to pray and just listen to what God will have us do over the course of the next 12 months. And on and on. And then of course we have meetings where we teach and we flow in the gifts of the spirit. Sometimes, in, the, in fact, all the time in the prayer cruise, at the end of prayer cruise, everybody is able to prophesy, minister to one another in the gifts of the Spirit. We take of the things of the Spirit and the things from the Spirit and we minister to one another with edification. Now, money. Somebody say money. Somebody say money. Be careful with money. Because money can get you off the track of God's plan for your life. Money can push you out of the will of God for your life. So that's why you must stick to the purpose of meetings. Remember that not all things are God designed. So you must find out what God wants you to do. Now keep that money somewhere because we will get there eventually. In Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 to 3. The unbelievers lives are differently designed. Ephesians chapter 2 from verse 1. And you are the quickened who are dead in trespasses and sins. Look at the next verse. Wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world. According to the prince of the power of the air. The spirit that now walketh in the children of disobedience. So the unbelievers conversation in time past in the loss of their flesh. In the loss of the flesh. Go back to verse 2. Look at verse 2 of that same Ephesians chapter 2. Wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world. So there is a course of this world. Unbelievers, their lives are designed differently. And they function differently because they are not in the will of God. They are not even in the plan of God. An unbeliever can never be in the plan of God. And he can never be in the design of God. Because they are of this world and the spirit of this world is responsible for how they live their lives. That means if I listen to their counsel, if I hang out with unbelievers and I listen to the counsel of unbelievers, I can never be in the will of God. 
That's why I say, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor seated in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season, whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. So the unbelievers. Well, you know, are not in the will of God. There's a cause that they follow for their lives. And, you know, and the, there are believers also whom Brother Paul says gets influenced from the world. You know, listen carefully. The highest calling in life, the highest calling in life is not business. The highest calling in life is not academics. The highest calling in life is not politics. The highest calling in life is to serve God in the ministry of Jesus Christ. The highest calling in a man's life is to serve God in the ministry of Jesus Christ. Jesus did not come to this world to start a business empire. Jesus did not come to this world to take over the secular governments. Somebody was interviewing me a few days ago. It might be in the papers within the week. And he was saying to me, Dr. Damina, the fathers of the faith are always meeting to pray for the government. In, we never see you there. And I said, first of all, who are the fathers of the faith? There's no such coinage in the Bible called fathers of the faith. So who are the fathers of the faith? He was looking at me. I said, so let's define father doctrinally because now we are not talking traditional, we are talking Bible. Let's define who a father of the faith is. A father of the faith is the one who is responsible for your doctrinal persuasion. So there's not like fathers. Everybody ought to know who his father in the faith is because your father in the faith is the person that hands over to you your doctrinal persuasion. So, fatherhood is doctrine. It's not gathering around political affiliations. There's no fatherhood there. If you're talking about the faith, fatherhood in the faith is doctrine. Communication of doctrine is the definition of fatherhood. The word father is the word patah. Patah means a source, a sustainer, the person who is responsible for your spiritual upbringing and welfare. So I said to him, by all doctrinal degrees and depths, I am a profound father in the faith. Because I am responsible for thousands and millions around the world's doctrinal persuasion, including those who criticize and attack me somewhere in their bedroom, they are learning doctrine from me. So I'm a father in the faith. So I don't have to be in the stadium with some people to be praying for government for me to be a father. I'm a father by all standards. And I don't need a show. I pray for the government of this state every day. I pray for them in my house. I don't have to go up in the public and stand there to be praying. That is showmanship. We don't pray for show. We pray because we, we, we are serious about what we're asking God for. Amen. Bible says don't do your things before men. You know. Don't do it before men. Because when men tell you thank you, that is your reward. I don't want to do it where people will be clapping for me. Jesus lived in a time where there was government in his day, but he was never found in government quarters for once. For once, because it's not part of the call of a man of God 
to be romancing governments. Brother Paul lived at a time where there were governments in his day. The only time he appeared before the, gov the, pre the governor of his, of his city, he went there to preach to him. And the man said to him, too much learning makes thou mad. You are be beside yourself, brother Paul. You almost persuaded me to be a Christian. So it means they were not talking politics. They were talking faith and they were talking scripture. And I said that you won't find them. They were not, they were not involved in determining who will be the next governor. They were not involved in determining who will be the next president. I'm not saying that men of God cannot gather together and determine a president. They can gather together like an association, like a pressure group, you know, like a Niger Delta, Niger Delta pressure group, like, uh, you know, it's their civic right to determine who they want to support as a candidate. But that is not Bible and that has nothing to do with the definition of the office of a man of God. During election I will go as a Nigerian to vote and I will vote for who my governor is, who I want to win. But that doesn't guarantee that he will win but that doesn't stop me from voting. I hope you're all, 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 you're all with me on the same page. Because people in town be asking, why don't we see your father? Why don't we see your pastor at the stadium whenever they are praying? He prays in his bedroom because the Bible says, when you pray in secret, your father will reward you openly. Is it wrong for men of God? I didn't say so, but I say you won't find me there. Let every man abide in his lane. Glory to God. Jesus came to save and to serve the lost. He came to save and to serve the lost. First John chapter 5 verse 19. First John chapter 5 verse 19. And we know that we are of God and the whole world lieth in wickedness. So I cannot assume that because things are going like this in the world, I have to go worldly. The whole world lieth in wickedness. The whole world lieth in the wicked one. I cannot let the world define my standards. Worldliness is an attitude. Worldliness is an attitude that makes sure you confirm yourself to the world's way of doing things. That is worldliness. When you conform, when you let the world define how you talk, how you dress, when you let the world define the kind of music you listen to, when you let the world define how you look, you want to be happening the way the world is happening. You want to act like the unbelievers are acting. All your models are unbelievers. Everybody you admire are unbelievers is an indication that your heart is far from God. Unbelievers must never be our models. We have models in scripture looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of faith. We do not want to model after the unbelievers. Because all they have is what you see. Their bodies as naked as possible. If their breast is not good enough, they go and remove it and or attach. Or they buy bras that double the size of their breasts. They buy bum-bums that double the size of their buttocks. Is it buttocks or buttocks? And then, of course, they put it on and they give an illusion that that is how they look. Because that is all they have. They have nothing more. You are not defined by your looks. 
You are defined by your content. The greater one on the inside. Oh, I thought somebody would shout glory. I do not admire the world. I do not admire their way of doing things. And I do not admire their standard because there's nothing they have that I am attracted to. I'm teaching good. Romans chapter 12 verse 2. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So worldliness is in the mind, the way you think, the way you reason, the way you see things. First John chapter 2 verse 15 tells you the only thing that the world offers. Put it up for me. First John chapter 2 verse 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Next verse, next verse. For all that is in the world, all, all, A-L-L, all that is, this is all that the world has. The loss of the flesh, the loss of the eyes, and the pride of life. It is not of the Father, but it is of the world. All that the world offers is the loss of the eyes, the loss of the flesh, the pride of life. That is all that the world offers. Outside that, the world has nothing else to offer. So a believer cannot be seen romancing around those parameters because he that has that, the love of the father is not in him. The love of the father is not in him. The Greek word for the word lost simply means desire. A lost is an uncontrolled desire. Something that drives you. Look at how James calls it in James chapter 1 verse 13 to 15. Please pay attention. James chapter 1 verse 13 to 15. Let no man say when he's tempted, I'm tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempted he any man. Watch this. But every man is tempted. How many men are tempted? Every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own. So every man has a lost. There is lost in every man. Every human being has a lost. What is lost? Desire. Every human being has a desire. But the temptation is when your desire draws you. When you yield to your desires. Put it up again. Every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own loss and enticed. Now look at the motions of sin. Then when loss had conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Satan is not in that equation and God is not in that equation. Satan is not part of the process of death. Every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own loss. And when lost, the loss his own. His own, not Satan's own. His own loss, when his loss has conceived, it will produce sin. Sin, when it is finished, it will produce death. Satan is not, stop blaming Satan for many things. You've got to take your hand, your life in your hand. You've got to take responsibility for your life, the way you live it. And the way you want to live it. Lost. Drawn away of his own loss. 
He says, each man is tempted of his own desire, his own loss. So primarily, lost will be situated in selfishness. Lost will be situated in selfishness. Think a little. What in this world is not motivated by self? Or what in this world is not motivated by desire? Virtually everything. You get married, desire. Hello? If you don't desire marriage, will you get married? You get the woman you want, what is that? Desire. You get the man you want, what is that? Desire. So you get married, desire. You get two children, four children, six children, or even twelve. What is that? Desire. Then you say, I want to live in Mexico. And you do everything you can do to get to Mexico. What is that? Desire. You're feeding your lust. Because that's what you want. You want to go to Mexico. So everything that will enable you to get to Mexico, you do it. You want to marry? If the girl is proving tough, you get all your friends to persuade her. You talk to her mother. You bribe her mother with all kinds of gifts so that her mother can get on her daughter because you have a desire. That is the way the world system functions. Get it anyhow. Get it anywhere. Get it anyway. In the world system is rat race. Every man on your own, get it any which way you want to get it. The important thing is you got it. Galatians chapter 5 verse 19 The loss of the flesh is built on selfishness That means you are motivated by what you want You are motivated by what you want Walking in the spirit is not selfish Joy is not selfish. Love is not selfish. Gentleness is not selfish. Loyalty is not selfish. Patience is not selfish. Meekness is not selfish. Long suffering is not selfish. And that is the fruit of the spirit. That is life in the spirit. So that means desires are built on selfishness. What do I want? Is it wrong to want something? No. In fact, if you don't have wants, then you are not a human being. Every human being must have desires. So it's not wrong to want something. But don't be led by your wants. Don't be led by your wants. Don't be led in life by what you want. Be led in life by what God wants. Be led in life by what God wants. The very first desire man wants apart from his wife was to desire what God did not want in Eden. Adam desired what God did not want. To eat of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil according to Moses' vision. God didn't stop his desire. God allowed him. So because your desires are met, doesn't mean they are of God. 
Don't let anybody deceive you that if the desires are not of God, they will not be met. It's a lie. Most people's desires are met whether they are of God or not. So that you desire something and you got it, it's not enough to give testimony. That is why most of the so-called testimonies that are given in churches needs to be questioned because some of them are even lies. Some of them are a bunch of exaggeration because you also want to feel among those who have the approval of God because preachers have told you that when God approves of you, you will have testimonies. But even the unbeliever that doesn't know God has multiple testimonies per day. You know, testimonies. I wanted it, I got it. I wanted it, I got it. I wanted it, I got it. You can get it when you want it because it is within the parameters of your desire. So that's why in this church, we don't have that kind of useless time where we give you time coming and pray, 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 pray. What is that? What is pray, pray? Are you playing? They play too much in church. We don't have that kind of time here. And say, well, you know what, Dr. Damina is attacking these false prophets. It's because he doesn't have miracles. Miracles. Me, I don't have miracles. You know when I started seeing miracles in my life? <laughs> you know when I started seeing miracles in my life? I started seeing miracles as a little boy of less than 10. I started seeing raw miracles. It's too late for me not to believe in miracles. And I still see miracles. And I will keep seeing miracles. But it is not the gospel. We don't make it the center of what we do. We thank God for all that he does in our lives. But that's not the gospel. That's not what we're gathered here. The unbelievers have miracles. The richest man on the planet today is Jeff Bezos. He's the first trillionaire in dollars. He's a trillionaire in dollars. He is richer than governments of countries in dollars. He went to space, came down, withdrew $200 million and gave to two broadcasters that he likes. He just said, I like two of you. You've been doing a good job. Take 100 million, take 100 million. That's about two point something billion he gave to each one of them. He gave it without thinking because there's too much money. Some of you, 100 million can take care of you for life. Because one billion naira will take you 50,000 of spending for 50 years every day. You take 50,000 and finish it. Tomorrow you take another one, finish it for 50 years to finish a billion. And yet somebody casually took it and gave to somebody and gave to somebody as if he's dashing them money for meat pie. And you're talking of testimony. I paid house rent. Pray, 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 pray. I paid house rent. Pray, 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 pray. You call that testimony? That's a mockery. That's not a testimony. I'm teaching good. See, ah, since I came to this church, there has been no testimony. You will not hear one. So settle down. All you'll be hearing is epignosis. Carry your Bible and notebook. Welcome to the real world. Glory. The world has desires and they are driven by what they want, not what God wants. The world is built around it. Don't ever think the world lost is one crazy world. No, it is not. 
Loss doesn't mean it has to be fornication. Loss includes drunkenness. It includes envy. It includes strife. It includes anger. All that is lost. It includes drunkenness. It includes lack of self-control. It includes fighting. It includes exaggeration. You had a headache, you say your head cut off and then it came back. Lost is just what you want. And it's difficult because it doesn't mean that what you want is evil. But you cannot be controlled by what you want. Lost is not only found in men, it's also found in women. He is lusting after her, she is lusting after him. You can also lust for car, lust for phone, lust for shoes, lust for wristwatch, loss for suit, loss for shirt. You can even loss after somebody's dress, after somebody's hair. So loss is not just fornication and adultery. It goes right down to even lusting after food. Whose God is their belly? That means they are driven by their appetite. Loss is just what you want. First Timothy chapter 6 verse 10. Let's look at it together. First Timothy chapter 6 verse 10. For the love of money is the root of all evil. Money is not the root of all evil. The love of money is the root of all evil. All evil. All. All evil is rooted in the love of money. Which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith. And pierce themselves through with many sorrows. They have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. The love of money. Notice Brother Paul's warnings to Timothy. He first said to Timothy, If you have anybody who is motivated by money, stay away from him. Anybody that is money motivated, stay away from him. There's a preacher, I used to listen to him a lot. We even got close. Mama and I used to go to his house. Then I discovered that his emphasis were always on money. And it became too much. He can't preach anything without taking a chunk of the time to talk money, 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 money. One day we were with him in the USA and as he was teaching, he said something that, that was the last day I, I, I made up my mind that he's not a serious person. And I withdrew. He said that in Eden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was the tithe. That what Adam ate was the tithe. That's why he died. That was the end. It's too much. When a man gets to that level of deception, he's a dangerous person to hang around. You were there, you remember? It was the evening session. I remember particularly where I sat and I remember the session. I remember the suit he was wearing and the tie. Because for me, that was a defining moment between whether I would listen to him again or not. Brother Paul says, stay off, withdraw, 
So I withdrew from him. Because the love of money is the root of all evil. He now explains the love to be what you are coveting after. Which some have coveted after. So because they are coveting after the love of money, they have erred from the faith. And then they pierce themselves with many sorrows. To covet after means to go after. You must know your motivation. You must know your motivation. Yet this loss is what motivates the systems of the world. I discovered the systems of this world lives by strife. People compete. They live by strife. Everybody's competing. Everybody's covert, co coveting. And everybody's looking for money. Monday morning, everybody's in a race to go look for money. They go in the morning, come back in the night. Even in the night, instead of sleeping, they're calling everybody to see how much more money they can make. People are driven, motivated by money. Somebody said, well, you know it rained, that's why I didn't come to church. But the governor sent for you to come and pick up a contract. You walked under the rain with all the ice blocks falling on you and you were saying, thank you Jesus, more ice blocks. You're money motivated, you're in lust. Money is your God, Jesus is not your God. That is why your loyalty is to money in spite and irrespective. That's why nothing can separate you from the love of money. Not even rain and ice blocks. But rain can separate you from coming to hear the word of God because it's not a serious matter. But if it is money, you will beat everything together. If you have to trek, you will trek. But you can't trek to church because you didn't have trance. And God, if you want me to go, bring trance. But if they say, come and get money, you will trek with thanksgiving. Father, I have not trekked in a long time. I didn't know that the air is fresh like this. Thank you, Lord Jesus. To go get money. You are money motivated. You are an idol worshiper. You worship the God called Mammon. You are money motivated. You are not God motivated. You are money motivated. You cannot miss appointment for money, but you can miss Sunday service, you can miss midweek service. It doesn't matter to you. After all, am I not trying? But when it comes to money, you are not trying enough. You are worshipping money using God as a cover-up. Seller. You are worshipping money using God as a cover-up. It's a very serious thing. That's what the systems of this world is built upon. Your desires. What you want. What you want to be. Go after your dreams. Acquire your desire. Aspire. Acquire to aspire. Aspire to acquire. Make sure you never retire. Refire to refill. Wow. Motivational speakers. First Timothy chapter 6 verse 10 to 11. See what brother Paul will say to his prodigy by the name Timothy. For the love of money is the root of all evil. Which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Verse 11. But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Flee these things. You should be all that God wants you to be. A child of God must know when to say no. 
So consecration, therefore, is very key here. Consecration means the readiness to do God's will at each point in time. Consecration. Consecration. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Take my moments and my days. Let them flow in ceaseless praise. Consecration. Consecration. Doing what God wants you to do at each point in time, irrespective of what it will cost you, where your own wants are concerned. Making God a priority over the things you want. That is consecration. There can never be consecration where there are no options. You didn't hear that. There can never be consecration where there are no options. Jesus in Matthew 26, 39 said, Oh Father, let this cup pass over me. Jesus chose to die. It means he could have refused to die. Because he says, not as I will but your will so contrary to my will i yield my will to your will that's consecration consecration means i wanted to go and eat then i discovered that i am needed to serve in the house of god i put serving above my appetite for food so i consecrated my food for the service of god that means there can be no consecration until there is an option. I'm supposed to sleep, but I decided to pray because I feel God wants me to pray. I gave up my sleep for prayer. That is consecration. Saturday nights, I want to sleep like everybody else, but I give up my sleep to study and pray because I perceive God wants me to be in that atmosphere and come to service to serve you his word in that atmosphere. So I consecrate my sleep to serve the purpose of God to my generation. There can be no consecration where there are no options. It's called consecration because there's an option to choose. There's something else you could have chosen. That is why it is called consecration. There are people today who are in the ministry because they have no job. The only reason why they now became ministers of God is because they have written application. They have gone everywhere looking for employment. Nobody employed them. They say, okay, uh, is it not to read Bible? And those who say, I declare, I decree, I declare, I decree, I declare, I decree, I see, I see, I see, I see, I see, I see. I see. I see. <laughs> so they start church. They are not consecrated. They are just in ministry for their stomach, not because there were options. Some of us had options to do many things in our lives. We gave them up to preach the gospel. And that is why in our preaching of the gospel, we are preaching it different. We don't put pressure on you because we are not preaching the gospel to eat. When you see a preacher that is preaching to eat, you will see the desperation on his face. And his tactics.
target will be your pocket. He can never say anything successfully without landing at your pocket. He can never do anything for free because that's not why he came. Why he came is to collect. <laughs> Those of us that are not in the ministry for money, even though we're in the ministry, we're not targeting your pocket, we still create a little time to do little businesses here and there to take care of our personal needs so we don't put you under pressure and so that we don't feel like God is punishing us. We're doing it with delight and with joy. Whether you honor us by giving to us or not, we're glad to do because we're not doing it for you primarily. We're doing it for him primarily. And that's why he is the one that will reward us ultimately. I'm teaching good. Somebody came to our church and said, I want to join this ministry. I said, from where? He said, I just want to join the ministry. I like this ministry. The message is correct. I want to join the ministry. I said, okay, no problem. But I hope you know that in Power City, all our pastors are not paid salary beginning from me, the senior pastor. We don't have salary. Everybody that serves in Power City as a pastor, has a business, has a job, has something they are doing. So they are serving God. It's a consecration. He said, eh. I said, eh. He said, I'm coming. He has not come till today. He thought he's coming to get employment. In Power City, we don't have employment. We have service. Say, I hear you. Beginning from me. I don't have a salary. So you can't come here and get a salary when I don't have a salary. I don't have a salary. Why? Because I chose not to. Why? Because it is my consecration to God for my calling. Because I have other things I can do to make money. I know what and what to put my hands on and be making money while I preach. So I don't need the salary because I have my ways of making my own money. Brother Paul said, you think we cannot get money, you think we cannot get a wife, but we give it up as our consecration so that we can do this work without greed involved. All our campus coordinators are in consecration. All over the world and they're watching. None of them is paid. Instead, they make money and they support what we're doing on a global scale. All our coordinators they make money and they, they mobilize people within the campus to pay for where they use. They mobilize people within the campus to take care of what they do. They don't ask me to send them money to be able to do what they are doing. It is their own consecration. This ministry is a consecration ministry. So if you don't like consecration, stay away. We are all consecrated. From me. It's not like I'm saying be consecrated than me myself. I am collecting salary. I don't have. I give more money to this ministry. I give more than any of you can imagine. Because I know what I give and I know what all of you give. Because I have access to the records. It's my consecration. When you see me walking tirelessly and making money, it is because I know that there are bills to be paid. I know that there are things to be taken care of so that the word of the Lord is not hindered. We do the things we do because we believe in what God has called us to do. Say, I hear you. I'm not hearing you. I want to hear louder. Consecration is when you have an option. 
Some people are committed in church because they don't have a job yet. So they are always in church. They come on time. They are always in prayer. Father, do it, O oh God, do it. Do it, O oh God, do it, O oh God. Do it on time. Do it on time. Let them not say, where is your God? Do it on time. Do it on time. Father, you see, I came on time. Do it on time. <laughs> the moment they get a little job, they start coming late. Say, why are you coming late? Say, I'm walking. No consecration. They were just in church for their stomach, not because they are consecrated to God. We are talking about consecration here because if you are talking about plans, purposes, and pursuits, you can't talk about that without consecration is a hallmark of plans, purposes, and pursuits that against my personal desire, I want to live for his glory. Against my personal achievements, I want to live for his glory. Even if I will live this life without an achievement, but serve God's purpose, I am satisfied to have lived a life that served the purpose of God, even though I had no earthly accolades to offer. You know, you can serve God in vain. Because that service was for a job. It was not for God. Now you can't even see him in church. Because he's very busy. He never had a consecration before. So now he has an option and he shows you where his, where his heart is. So when there is a choice, it's when consecration comes in. Look at what brother Paul rolled out things he should have done. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, he rolled out many things he could have done. You can read the whole chapter when, we go, when you go home. So brother Paul had options, but look at what he said in 1 Corinthians 9, 27. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27. But I keep my body under and bring it into subjection, lest by, that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a cast away. I bring my body under. These are things I want to do, but I deprive my body. I give up my personal desires and pursuits. I bring my body under. That's consecration there for ministry. So that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be cast away. So that means it's possible to preach and be disqualified from reward. Cast away is not loss of salvation. Cast away there is disqualified from the reward that we'll receive before Jesus. So you can preach and lose your reward and be ashamed at his coming because you, there was no consecration in your ministry. You were only doing ministry because you had no other alternative. Peter said, we obey God rather than men. Acts 5.29 We will obey God rather than men. <clears throat> Put it up. Acts 5.29 Then Peter and the other Apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. We ought to obey God rather than men. It's consecration because what you are about to do doesn't please you. It only pleases the Lord. That's what makes it consecration. What you are about to do doesn't please you. It only pleases the Lord. Paul said, we should have taken money. We should have married a sister. But we will not do it. We are consecrating it. 
There must be an option you are letting go for it to be consecration. Remember Lot. Lot's case was funny. Lot's case was funny. He was with his uncle Abraham and there was a choice. He chose the land that flows with milk and honey. Lot ought not to have taken any land. No land belonged to Lot. It belonged to Abraham. Lot was just supposed to serve under Abraham. There are many general overseers today that are suffering because they don't belong there. They don't belong there. It's not because God doesn't like you that there are people that are general overseers and you are not. It's not for liking. It's just because God has a plan for everybody. But some of you want the limelight. And God is saying stay in the background. It is consecration for you to give up the limelight even though you like it. And stay in the background to serve God's purpose. Are you all hearing what I'm saying? Everybody come in the forefront. I'm here not because I wanted to. I'm here because this is what God wanted me to do. I had other things I wanted to do with my life. I've told you many times. I wanted to do money. I wanted to do business, make money, and just do politics. And I will have beaten every candidate hands down. Because I'm a very smart team player. I will win everybody and put all of them around. And I'll be in charge. And I'm a long-term player. I don't play short games. I am long-suffering. <laughs> I can wait forever to get it. And I will get it. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? That's what I want. But I gave all of them up as consecration to serve God's purpose. And I'm glad today. There's nothing else I could have ever done with my life that would have been better than what I'm doing. This is the highest thing I could have done with my life. And I'm so glad. I have no regrets eternally. Bishop Fred was here a few days ago. And when we sat down in the hotel room at night to chat a bit, he said to me, you've been in a choir bomb for many years. Now, do you have any regrets? I said, no regrets whatsoever. He shook his head and smiled. I have no regrets. How can you have regrets in God's plan? You'll only have regrets in your own plan. Lord shouldn't have taken any land. So opportunity is not the will of God all the time. That you saw an opportunity doesn't mean it's the will of God all the time. Remember, when he and his family were on the journey, the wife turned back and became a pillar of salt. Now it's not like she became salt that people can go and use spoon to scoop to put inside soup. It was a symbolic communication. <laughs> he said nobody should have looked back. In other words, there are things in your life you don't go back to them. There are things in your life you don't go back to them. And the wife looked back. It was not just looking back in a glance. It was not something like the wife did like this. And then became a standing pillar of salt. No, it's a symbolic. Some people go to Israel looking for the pillar where it is standing. Is it you? you have you not read Anna Ginosko? It's not a woman standing as salt. Uh -uh. It's symbolic. It's symbolic. 
She lost her place of relevance. Pillar of salt. When he says she looked back, it means her heart was not there. There are relationships and friendships and associations your heart ought not to be in anymore. Your heart should leave them. Your heart should move away from them. You are not in there, but your heart is still there. She turned into a pillar of salt. And Jesus told us in the four gospels, remember Lord's wife. What does that mean? When she became salt, symbolically means she lost relevance. You don't look back. If you have answered the call to ministry, there's nothing you are looking for in your past. All divine purpose is tied to eternity. All divine purpose is tied to eternity. When we got born again, we were given eternity in view. When we got born again, we were given eternity in view. We used to sing one song when I got born again newly. I have another world in view, in view. I have another world in view. I have another world in view, in view. I have another world in view. This is not all that there is. There's another world I have in my view. I'm a man of eternal value. I have another world. There's life after this life. And the life after this life is bigger than the life here. One day we will stand before Jesus. Of course, we have to live in this world to exercise our authority and to live at God's purpose. So you ask yourself, when, when you stand before Jesus, what, what kind of report will you give him? Can you really stand before Jesus with the kind of life you live right now? Paul said, everything that is not done according to God's will will be burnt to ashes. Meaning it will mean nothing. Paul said, everything will be tested by fire. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 57. 1 Corinthians 15, 57. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in business. Eh? Always abounding in politics. Eh? Always abounding in academics. Eh? Always abounding in your career. What did he say? Always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Actually the original is your labor is not in vain things. Your labor is not in vain things. What are vain things? Business, career, politics. They are vain things. Few weeks ago, I was privileged to go for the burial of one of our brothers in church who passed. I've never had that before, Pastor. Praise until that day. And after I preached, and we were going to commit him to the to the ground, they said that they were going to derobe him. 
that the lawyers and the justices that were there were going to derobe him of his legal office. They were going to derobe. And they actually derobed him. Meaning he went to the grave, not a lawyer. Because the things of this world expires here. The reality of eternity dawned when you get there. They derobed him. The living derobed him. They took his title from him and said, no, it ends here. You're a doctor, it ends here. You're a lawyer, it ends here. You're a business person, it ends here. You're a career person, it ends here. None of that goes to eternity. The only thing that abounds is the work of the Lord. You're not going to be called a doctor in heaven. You're not going to be called a lawyer. You're not going to be called a business baron or a tycoon. You're going to just appear before Jesus with what you have done for him. Only what you have done for him will last. And that brother used to serve in this church. So when they derobed him of his title as a lawyer, he entered heaven with his position as a servant of God. You see that? That's the only thing that follows you. That's why you don't play with these things we're talking about. If you play with it one of these days, eternity's reality will look at you in the face when you don't have another opportunity to rewrite your story. So now you have the opportunity. Take serious the things we are saying. You know, some of you, because you've never been around with people where people die, you think we'll be here forever. Now, Lyo, even me, I won't be here forever. I don't even want to be here forever. This place is too dirty. This world is too dark. This world is too evil. I don't want to be here forever. I'm just going to be here while my assignment lasts. When my assignment is over, I don't want to be found one more day in this place. Doing what? What do I want to be doing here? When the job what, that I'm supposed to do for God is over, what am I doing here? What? Is it the ice cream or the cucumbers that I will miss? Even the cucumber, how many of it can I eat? What? What? Is it the suit and the Ankara materials that I will miss? No, 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 tell me. Is it the shoe I will miss? Or the wristwatch? Or the car? Car? What will I miss? If I leave this world today, what will I miss? There's nothing to miss here. Maybe my loved ones. I will miss them. But you know, because I'm the one that is gone, I won't miss them. They will miss me. Me, I won't miss them. Me, I'll be busy jumping and celebrating. I am rejoicing. My name has been written. I am rejoicing that I am born again. I am rejoicing. That's all I'll be doing. It is there that I hear that I'll be going, Oh, he's gone. He's gone. He's gone. He's gone. He's gone. Me, I don't know about he's gone. Me, I'm busy rejoicing. I am rejoicing. My name has been written. That is why you see, Bello, 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 Bello. I lose nothing. I lose nothing. For me to die is gain. I don't lose when I die. I gain when I die. I become heaven's gain. And heaven becomes my gain. So I'm only here because there's a purpose. I'm only here because there's an assignment to carry out. Once I lose sight of that assignment, my living on earth loses meaning. 
So any of you that has not found your place in the purpose of God, you are living a meaningless life. An empty life. An empty life. Let me close with 2 Timothy 4 7 and I'll continue the next service. You don't want to miss the next service. No, you don't want to. Because I'm going to deal with some dynamics in the second service that will help you a lot. You know, don't miss it. I'm telling you the truth. Don't miss it. Trust me. Don't miss it. Say, I hear you. I'm not hearing, say, I hear you. 2 Timothy 4 7, brother, put it up. I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. Oh, Yadabalata. So there are spiritual things. God's divine purpose is always linked with men, not with things. God's divine purpose is always linked with men, not with things. That means your purpose in life can never be outside serving God by serving men. Your purpose in life can never be outside serving God by serving men, by being a servant of God for humanity. So, your purpose is always tied to men. Remember, God's love and passion is for man. God's love is not for things. God's love is for man. God's passion is for man. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten soul. So if I must walk in God's plan, purpose, and pursuits for my life, I must walk in his plan for man. I must walk in his plan for man. So ask yourself this question. Who are the men I am living for? Or am I living for myself? Living for myself, it only fill me with sorrow. Living in the past just makes me blue. But living for you, Lord, I'm not afraid of tomorrow. What a joy I found a living serving you. Living for myself, it only fills me with sorrow. Living in the past just makes me blue. But living for you, Lord, I'm not afraid of tomorrow. What a joy I found a purpose in serving you. When I live for you, I'm filled with hope and purpose. When I live for myself, nothing can be frustrating like a man whose life revolves around him. Dead sea. Glory to God. Plan and purpose is when it is not about you. God's plan and purpose it is not it is when it is not about you it is when it is about him listen carefully 
I'm going to continue teaching tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. You don't want to miss it. Because I need to cover all of this before the year is over because there's some things I will want to deal with in New Creation Camp meeting. But I need you to get all of this before I get in there. See, I hear you. So tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday, I'll be teaching these 6 p.m. GMT plus one each evening. And um, at the end of the service, I'll tell you how you can follow with the house churches in mind. Okay? Are you blessed? Stand on your feet. And I'm announcing now because of the online and because of the campuses so that everybody gets to plan to be part of the services tomorrow, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Are you blessed? Don't your neighbor say, my purpose, my plans, and my pursuits are tied to men because I am discovering God's plan, purpose, and pursuits for my life. Say, my plans are not centered on me. My plans are centered on eternity in view. Say, I have eternity in my view. See, I'm not living a temporal life. I'm living an eternal life. Therefore, I serve the purpose of God to my generation. I didn't hear a good amen. Life is worth a living because I live for him. Life is worth the living. If I wasn't living for God, my life, I mean, look at all of you. Look at all of you. Look at all of you. Because I said yes to Jesus. Look at all of you. Look at what, what one man's yes to Jesus can produce. Not just here. All over the world. Imagine the kind of life I would have had if I never said yes to Jesus. If I had one small business by the corner selling spare parts. Who said eh? If I sell spare parts, even if you don't need it, you will buy. You see this in my mouth? Even if your friend Accra, you will buy my spare part. I'll tell you, this spanner can make the Accra sweet. You will buy it. Or maybe if I was selling tiles. Tile, 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 tile. Tile shop. Even your shoe, if you tile up. <laughs> can you imagine the kind of life I would have had? Maybe I will be making money. Me, I will make money. I will have, me, I can make money from anything. I can make money even from toilet. I will have been making money. But what kind of life? Just make money. I'm sure I wouldn't have been married to Mama because Mama would not have supported that kind of vision. Mama is a woman of God. She loves Jesus too much. So she wouldn't have supported him to be selling tiles. She would have wanted me to preach. So maybe I would have married one small wife. And I wouldn't have had Jemama, Jesmiel, and Jael. Maybe I would have had Joseph, Jacob, and Jeremiah. <laughs> It will be Abel, Damina, and Sons. <laughs> Abel, Damina, and Sons Limited. <laughs> Jerome, stop laughing like that. <laughs> Abel, Damina, and Sons Limited. Tiles Incorporated. We'll go and sit down there and be selling tiles. We tile your toilet, we tile your bedroom, we tile your bathroom. We can even tile your legs. Can you imagine that kind of life? Then maybe I have one small car, small nice car, maybe Volkswagen, you know, Volkswagen, the old model that I'm still managing. Then I come to church, I'll be sitting under the gallery because you know business, no, they close on time. I'll sit under the gallery because I always come late. Can you imagine?
imagine the kind of life I would have lived, and people would have said I'm successful. But in the view of God's plan, they wouldn't have known what I would have been that I didn't become because I didn't say yes to the will of God. Some of you are living below what God wanted you to live right now because you're not in that plan that God had for your lives. You think you're successful. People are clapping for you. If only they can peep into what you will have been that you refuse to become because of selfishness. I mean, imagine what my life could have been. If I never said yes to Jesus and paid the price of standing here to serve you the truth of God. Imagine where you will have been yourself. And the millions all over the world right now that are watching and listening to me. That's why Jesus said, not as I will, but your will. Imagine if Jesus went with his will and rejected the will of the Father. None of us will be saved. Some of you are living below and you are happy because you don't know about the better. Paul said, I cast, I say, I count all these things as dung for the excellency of Christ Jesus. I press forward towards the mark of the high. And because of Paul's obedience, look at how rich we are. Look at how enriched we are in doctrine, enriched we are in the grace of Christ. You don't want to miss the next service. You don't want to miss tomorrow, Tuesday, and Wednesday. As we keep exploring and excavating from scripture, God's plans, purpose, and pursuits for your life. Are you blessed this morning? Lift your right hands. Father, we pray and we thank you. Thank you that everybody in this house is becoming aligned to your will and to your purpose. Becoming aligned to your program, to your agenda for their lives. I decree and I declare right now that in the name of Jesus, confusion ceases in the name of Jesus. Everything that is contrary to your plan and purposes for your people's lives is terminated. Is terminated. In the name of Jesus. Revelation, knowledge, clarity, correction, instruction is taking place in your heart and mind. And God's purpose for your life is being brought in. God's purpose for your life is being brought to the fore. And in the name of Jesus, I see a lot of correction taking place in the name of Jesus. Selfishness bows. We consecrate ourselves to God's purpose, to God's plan, and to God's will for our lives. And we give you praise and glory and honor. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Take my moments and my days. Let them flow in seas. Let's pray. All to Jesus I surrender. All to Him I freely give. I will ever love and trust Him in His presence daily.
our hearts, our plan, our will, our bodies, our minds, all that we are and all that we will ever be. We surrender all. We surrender to your will. We surrender to your purpose. We surrender to your pursuits. And we surrender to your plan. Not our will, but yours be done. We give you praise. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' precious name. And every believer is a powerful amen. Are you blessed this morning? Can we celebrate the will and the plan of God for our lives this morning? Is that a celebration or is that a wail? Glory to God. Whoa! Whoa! Glory! Woo! Get out your honor offering. Let's give in honor of God's purpose. Let's give in honor of God's will and plan to get the gospel to the ends of the earth. Every time we give in this house, we are enhancing and creating an enabling environment for God's purpose and counsel to be established in the hearts of men all over the world. Those of you watching online, the banking leaders are scrolling. And those of you that are listening on radio and on television, the banking leaders are scrolling. Radio audience, Mr. Michael Bush, we read the banking details for you. But it's always a joy to serve God's purpose. In our campuses, your honor offering comes straight to the headquarters to enable us to fulfill the global vision. And of course, the power partnership comes to the headquarters. It is the worship offering that goes to your branch right where you are so that all that is needed to be done there can have assistance from your finances. So I'd like you to lift up your honor offering as we give joyfully and intentionally today. Father, we give from the depths of our heart. We and all that we have and all our money, we are yours. And it's always an honor and a joy to serve your purpose through giving. Thank you that our offerings are sweet smelt before you today. In Jesus' precious name. And every believer says a powerful amen. amen. Listen carefully, we are signing you off. But remember, I'll be live at 11 a.m. GMT plus one this morning as I continue teaching you the plan, purposes, and pursuits of God for your life. Tomorrow evening, 6 p.m. Tuesday evening, 6 p.m. Wednesday evening, 6 p.m. I continue teaching on plan, purposes, and pursuits. Get everybody on, get everybody from everywhere to be part of this series. It will change their lives. Alright, we love you guys as you keep giving your offerings. We love you. We're signing you off. See you at 11 a.m. GMT plus one. Let's celebrate viewers around the world for being a part of this service this morning. Glory! Amen! We Hit trust the music. that you Let's have been blessed by this message. To order the complete series of this message and all the messages by Dr. Abel Daminer, please call plus 234-806-800-9939 or email powercityoffice at gmail.com
We trust that you have been blessed by this message. To order the complete series of this message and all the